0: Welcome to the Commerce Tomorrow Podcast, your one stop to learn about the technology that's powering the future of commerce.
1: Here are your hosts, Dirk and Kelly.
2: Welcome to another episode of the Commerce Tomorrow Podcast. I'm joined by my co-host, Dirk Hoareg. Hi, everybody. Thanks for joining. And today we're joined by David Robb. He's founder and CEO of the Customer Data Platform Institute. Welcome.
0: Thank you. Pleasure to be here.
2: Um, before we get started, uh, can you talk a little bit about your personal background and your life as an independent consultant?
0: Sure. So my background started out as, as a legitimate marketer back in the day doing direct mail uh, for magazines and continuities. Um, rel- after a few years of doing that, I switched over to the life of an independent consultant. Most of my career has been spent helping marketers to find either software companies or service companies that providing services like, like database development and what later became marketing technology. Uh, More recently, three years ago, I founded the customer data platform Institute, having actually named the term customer data platform back in 2013. Uh, And the Institute is something that's designed to just help educate the industry about how to do a good job with their customer data uh, and, you know, that often does lead to customer data platforms, which are a class of software that I think we'll talk about a little later. So it's all been a, a long career of helping marketers make better use of the technology and the technology changes. But the problems are kind of not that different.
1: Maybe tell us a little bit more about the uh, CDP Institute. So uh, Customer Data Platform Institute Um What's
0: doing and and what roles does it serve and how is it set up? Okay, sure. So the Institute is essentially a trade association for the CDP vendors. Uh, It was founded, as I say, about three years ago now, when a couple of the vendors came to me and said, you know, we're getting a lot of interest in this concept of a customer data platform. It's a category that you named and have been talking about a lot uh, for the past few years before that. So you're the obvious person to do that. So I didn't want to work for any one vendor. We said, well, let's, let, let's get all the vendors together and, and have them sort of fund some basically market development so that we can explain the concept of CDPs to people. Cause back then people didn't really understand even what it was, uh, and then develop, uh, some standards around it and, uh, you know just just elaborate on the ideas underneath it and, and help people to understand how to use them what they're for uh, how they fit into the larger scheme of your other technologies so you know there's with any new category of software <laughs> there's just a lot of education that's required for people to take advantage of it so that's been the mission of the institute is just to say hey here's this great tool why don't you figure out what problems it solves for you because it's not for everyone but you know it's it's a something that's available and can make your life easier. So let, let's see how we can help people to take advantage of it. And what is a CDP? Ah, okay. So the official CDP Institute definition is a customer data platform is package software that builds a unified persistent customer database that's accessible to other systems. <clears throat> so just breaking that apart a little, Packet software means it's something that you buy. It's not a data warehouse that your IT department builds for you or that you go out and you hire, you know, agency to build for you. So that's a lot quicker and and usually cheaper to buy something than to build it. Uh, Unified persistent customer database means a few things, but it, it means that we take data in from all sources, not just any one source. It means that we keep all the details so you don't have to go back and kind of hit yourself on the head because you forgot to store something. It turns out that you needed. it. Uh, it means that it's all pulled together in a customer profile. So you get a complete view of each customer. Uh, and then the, accessible to other systems just means that the data is shareable because there are a lot of systems actually that'll build a customer database but only sort of for their own purposes. So a predictive modeling system might assemble customer data, but then just use it to build predictive models. And that leads you to have you know many different customer databases. It's much more efficient obviously to have one customer database that all your other systems can work from.
2: And what type of data would you put into a CDP, customer data? And what explicitly would you not put into a CDP?
0: Well, you, in theory, you could put in pretty much any data that relates to customers that you want. Usually there is a requirement that the data that be entered has, has some flavor of a customer ID on it, which could be an anonymous ID like a cookie ID, but it should be related to a customer. So you wouldn't store… Um, your manufacturing data in there. It just doesn't relate to customers. But, you know, customer data includes data from your CRM system, includes data from your e-commerce system, includes data from your customer service. It could include data from your shipping and your order processing. So there's a lot of places that companies gather customer data that are all in different systems. And again, that's the whole purpose of the CDP is to bring that all together in one place so that you can then get a complete view of what you've done to that customer and and decide going forward what's the best next thing to do for each person.
1: And beside that unified view on that customer, and you have all that data um, from different kind of sources um, aggregated, um, is it mainly just then to, to be able to, deliver that data? Or does it also go beyond when you think about things on personalization, analytics, um, combination with other data sources? So where's the use case ending?
0: Right? um, Well, that's a great question. And it's actually, sadly, a little confusing, because different CDPs end in different places, some CDPs just assemble the data and make it available to other systems. Some CDPs do that, plus do analytics like predictive modeling or machine learning um, or attribution, other kinds of advanced analytics. They all do segmentation, incidentally. Uh, Some CDPs do the data assembly, plus the analytics, plus the personalization, at least to the extent of deciding which message is the best message for which person. Um, You usually traditionally have kind of drawn the line and said that's about the scope of of a broad CDP. What's happening now is there are systems that are, say, delivery systems like web content management or email uh, systems or even e-commerce systems that, have decided that they also will build a unified persistent customer database that ticks all the boxes to do what a CDP does. So we would think of those as at least having a CDP inside of a larger system. And in fact, it even goes further, even some of the operational systems as well, uh, things like an order processing system, say, sometimes have the entire suite of capabilities and they might have a CDP inside as well. So you can find a CDP that only builds the data or you can find a CDPD that does personalization, uh, you know, which you buy really, of course, just depends on what you need.
2: And it seems that every platform out there, whether, you know, like you said, whether it's an ERP or commerce platform, everyone forever has offered a single view of the customer, right? And and they'll try to hoard as much data as they possibly can. Um, but you can't have five enterprise systems all having a single view of the customer. Right? How fundamentally different, how is the CDP different, I guess?
0: Well, that's the whole thing, right? So they all offer a single view of the customer, but usually they offer a single view of the data that they have gathered about that customer, the data that they have generated through their own internal operations about the customer. So the CRM knows everything that customer has done through the CRM and the order processing system knows everything about the orders that customer placed, but they don't know anything about what the marketing automation system sent out. Okay. So the difference is, and they're really not built to ingest the data from those other sources. So even though they might, Sort of on some level, know that it would be useful to present that. They're usually not designed to do that. And if you're not designed out of the box to do that, it's really very, very difficult to make a system change its data structure to add in external data, for example. So, what's different about the CDP is, again, it was designed specifically for that purpose. The CDP, by and large, doesn't actually generate its own data. It doesn't send out emails. It doesn't process orders. It doesn't support customer service interactions and keep a record of it. It just pulls data from all those systems. It's designed to handle any kind of input. It's designed, to then, to as I say, to bring it all together with the unification and, and to present that really comprehensive profile. So that's a pretty big difference, e- even though other systems may think about having a single customer view from a much really narrower perspective.
1: Is the specifics in the data model also the main differentiation between a DMP, so a data management platform, to um, a CDP?
0: Well, you know, every system is designed for a purpose. Uh, and, and DMPs are basically designed to do advertising audiences. You know, and they're really, at least originally, were designed primarily to manage cookies. You know, that's what they did. Mm-hmm. You got a bunch of cookies, you put them in your DMP. And then if you wanted to select an audience of cookies that had attributes attached to them that said, oh, you know, these people were in this region or in market to buy a car or in this income group or interested in politics, you know, whatever the attributes associated with that uh, particular cookie where you then pull out an audience of those similar cookies and then you would send it off uh, to, to receive ads or to bid against for for programmatic. So that's a very Specific requirement, it means you have a particular file structure technically that, that's basically a big flat file that has a cookie and a bunch of attributes associated with that cookie. So you have to summarize data, for example. So you would never store all of the specific individual purchase transactions in, in a DMP that takes a different structure with with multiple data layers in it. DMP is not designed for that. It couldn't really do its job very well if it did, because that's a relatively slow kind of data to analyze. So you design a DMP to have summary data and to access that summary data very quickly. Again, it's a very different use case than the CDP use case of storing all those details. So if you want to find out, you know, who bought a cat mug on tuesday at 3 a.m you can find those transactions the dmp won't have that level of detail
2: got it that makes a lot of sense so all new technology is is adopted according to the basically the gartner hype cycle right where you start with a trigger you have peak of inflated expectations trough of disillusionment slope of enlightenment and then plateau of productivity right um where is where are cdps in this uh in this cycle today?
0: Well, CDP has actually been at the peak of the hype cycle for, I think the last three years now, maybe the first year we were just approaching it, but we're now just, if you look you know, and I happen to think our Gartner is pretty accurate in where they place us. And we're still at the peak, but we're just about to enter the trough. So we're just on the border of that. And that's about right. You know, again, the concept has been quite, uh, popular uh, for three years now which is about as long as you're going to stay at that peak and people now understand it and they're beginning to ask the next set of questions which is well not not what is it which is really the question or how do I use it which is the question you get when you're at the peak but okay I understand it and now maybe I have some experience or my friends do and it doesn't do everything which is why you end up in that trough of disillusionment uh, so let me learn how to really use it. So there's that plateau of, of, of I forget what they call productivity, uh, where you kind of learn what a technology really is good for and it's not so good for, and you kind of learn how to use it effectively. So we're just entering that stage where people are beginning to ask the question, not what is it, but how do I use it best? And that's, a, you know, it's a good place to be. It's obviously a little scary to know that you're going to start hearing the horror stories, but that's just... Part of the cycle, normal thing happens to every technology. Uh, you know so we just know it's coming and we're sort of getting you know ourselves sort of girded for that. but we really are focusing on okay guys, yeah, it's not perfect, so you have to learn how to use it well and you know it's not going to solve all your problems. Nobody ever said it would, but everybody just sort of hopes that this will be the one silver bullet. Well, no, CDP is not going to be that silver bullet either.
1: I have a question, a practical question on that, David. Um, so let's say I decided for CDP and um, I want to integrate that into my system. Um, let's assume it's a commerce platform fitting to that podcast. Uh, in the case, for example, a customer's placing an order. Um, how does that data get into the CDP? Is it uh, directly pulled? Um, is it uh, frequently on a job basis? Uh, how does a typical integration of systems look like?
0: So there's a couple ways it can happen. Um, in terms of the how quickly the data gets in, if the e-commerce system can stream that data in in real time, you know through an API or whatever, then the CDP can can, can ingest that. A lot of e-commerce systems are going to push that out, you know, in a batch once a night or something. So the CDP will take it in a batch. Uh, it may go directly to the CDP, but a lot of companies already have a data lake or a data warehouse where that data is being fed and if, the, if it's more convenient to pull the data from that source rather than having a second direct line into the e-commerce system, you, you can do it that way. That's actually a pretty common way to do things. So, you know, the CDPs, again, just their whole design goal was to be flexible. So it's pretty much whatever way you want and whatever way you're capable of, of pushing the data in, the CDP should be able to accept it that way. But the so it'll really uh, depend on what you can do, you know, uh, but ideally it comes in in streaming because then you have an up to, up to the minute, uh, uh, you know, view of your customers. And nearly all CDPs can handle that real time processing. And
2: do people build or buy CDPs or I guess what, uh, you know, what's the breakdown there and, and what types of companies typically build versus buy? Well,
0: okay. Well, again, by definition, the CDP is packaged software. So it's something that you buy. You could build your own system that does what a CDP does. You know, we wouldn't call it a CDP, but you might when you're drawing your architecture diagram have a box that says CDP on it. So you have to distinguish between the class of system of software and the functionality. Uh, some companies do build the equivalent of a CDP. Uh, again, it's is it all that different from a data warehouse or a data lake? Um, there are some. Differences in terms of usually data warehouses are limited to structured data. Uh, a data lake will have unstructured data, but a data lake usually doesn't do quite some of the processing, the unification that a CDP would do. But could you build something that creates a unified persistent view of the customer that's accessible to other systems? Yeah, you know, big companies often want to do that, they have the technical resources to make that possible. They often have a data lake to start from, so they've kind of gotten halfway there anyway. It really, like any other build-by decision, just becomes a question of, well, you know, can I best use my limited development resources, and every company's resources are limited no matter how big they are, uh, and, and build this tool for myself or since there are actually, you know, plenty of perfectly good pieces of package software, is it more effective me for me to, you know, buy that package and use my development resources to create something that I really can't buy on the market? So, you know, if your needs are really unique uh, and you need just something so special in a CDP that that the you know the existing CDPs don't actually support it or would take very elaborate configuration, it might make more sense to build it. Um, you know, otherwise, uh, you know, in, in we think in the vast majority of cases, it makes more sense to buy it. But there are for sure people who want to go out and build it.
1: Are there some vendors, um, so good, solid, modern CDP platforms that you could mention?
0: Uh, well, I can mention a lot of them. The, the Institute, there's about 100 or so in the world. About 50 of them are uh, participants in the Institute. So of course I get a little, <laughs> I get a little cranky. Is it all
1: all feature <laughs> USPs that they have, or is it geographical um, uh, differences? Uh, yeah, um, so no, they, not- you know, again,
0: there are different um, scopes of the products. So there are some um, that really just focus on the data assembly. So a Telium or a Treasure Data might be a good example uh, of one that really, you know, they're really good at gathering data and assembling it and building the database and they don't try to get much beyond that. Some of the other ones that have like advanced analytics, I was just on the phone with NG data, you know, a few minutes ago. So we'll just me- mention them um, as one that has good analytics capability. Uh, oh, actually. The, yeah. Um, then there are other ones that, that do the personalization. So analytics or a blue conic or a red point or a, blue van I, again there's many of them and they're all my friends so i try to mention as many as possible here so they all have different skills. and, and we, we can make some some advertising right yeah, so um, yeah, if, yeah, yeah.
1: for everybody who's interested <laughs> in it so go to the website exactly. it's uh CDPInstitute.org, right, and right. there you find a link. It's called directory, right? Yeah, um, and yeah. in the directory you have the whole vendor catalog. Yeah,
0: and the directory just you know actually has both sponsors and non-sponsors in it. So we we just try to list all, all 100 that we know about because we try to be as fair as we can. And again, our, um, and and then you know, and then there are some regional ones, you know, like that only sell in in Europe or only sell in the U.S. or only sell in, in uh, Asia. You know, so that's another um, kind of way that people decide who to look at and there's some industry specialists too uh, NG Data again who just happens to be top of mind, you know, it's really just financial services. Uh, there's a couple others mm-hmm. who are, you know, just travel or just healthcare or whatever uh, or specialists in retail and so on
2: uh, So just a, a quick technical question, so CDP's taken lots and lots of data from many different sources, right? And a lot of the the click captures and all the anonymous data, um, the e-commerce data, right? that ends up being a, a lot of, of data, right? terabytes and terabytes potentially. Um, how do these solutions actually cope with all of that data? Like, wh- What are the underlying technologies that they use to scale?
0: Most of them are using the pretty standard sort of big data, you know, Hadoop, Mondo, Mongo, Cassandra you know, the same tools that everybody else uses. There's a couple who have some proprietary data management technology, and that's usually for in-memory to get really high speed as opposed to the high volume that, that the big data, the, the, the you know, the, the standard big data stuff does quite well. Uh, and some of them will sit on, you know, Redshift or, or Google, Big BigQuery, you know, the cloud databases as well, scale really well. So it's... Not so much that data storage capability, which, again, is kind of the same thing you'd use for a data lake. Uh, it, it's the additional processing on top of that that they've built in. That That's more where the additional development has been done is to take those raw tools that anybody can buy and put together the packages that and the processes and the data flows that make them useful Which again, you know, is something that you could develop for yourself if you had the resources, but it often makes way more sense to leverage the work of someone who's already done it rather than try to reinvent that wheel.
1: Understand, understand. So, um, I, I need to uh, play the the German here um, a little bit in in this uh, uh, podcast episode, um, talking about uh, GDPR, um, customer data um, privacy protection. Um, there, there's um, in Europe we have GDPR. There's a Californian Privacy Act um, now now uh, more or less in place, um, and uh, every everywhere in the world, um, customer data privacy initiatives are are raising what precautions do I need to, to take to comply with them? What do I need to, to consider and to look at when I uh, implement a CDP?
0: Well, GDPR is great for CDPs. It was like the, the biggest gift they've had, in, at least in the European market, um, because what you need to do to comply with GDPR is to figure out where all your customer data is, either pull it together in one place or at least put in uh, connectors that link it Together, virtually, um, analyze it. Be able to change it if you need to change it. So those are all the things that you kind of need to do with with the C- to make a CDP useful or that a CDP does. So it, uh, complying with with GDPR often requires the CDP to do it well because the CDP does exactly what GDPR uh, wants you to do. Um, you obviously have to then make sure that, that you're tracking consent and that you are uh, you know, accepting whatever requests you're getting for data access or for data um, uh, uh, um, band dropping out the data. I forget the technical term. Um, you know, so so which, which would happen not just in the CDP, although the CDP would have its own copy of data. So if someone says delete my data, you'd have to delete it from the CDP, but you also have to go out to the source systems and delete it as well. But the CDP knows what those source systems are because it's getting the data from them in the first place. So it gives you that roadmap that says go back and, okay, make sure you delete it in all these other 16 places. Uh, this, so, so it's actually extremely uh, helpful to the CDP vendors to have people looking around saying, wow, how can I car- do what GDPR wants me to do? And the answer is often, well, a CDP will make that way easier.
2: I think we in software have gotten lucky over the past couple of years that there hasn't been more regulation, but uh, you know, I expect GDPR and this new California law and, and others, it wouldn't surprise me if there's something at the federal level at some point, uh, it's uh, it's good that CDPs can help out with that challenge. I think it's going to be the standard.
0: Yep. I mean, at the end of the day, you're going to have to do what a CDP does. So whether you build it yourself or you buy a CDP, it's just a business decision.
2: Yeah. Um, A tactical question for you, since this is a podcast focused on the intersection of commerce and technology, how can commerce platforms um, use CDPs to provide better personalization? Do you have any tactical tips and tricks?
0: Yeah, well, you know, one of the big advantages and use, one of the primary commerce use cases specifically for CDP is to get the data in from across channels. So if you are, for example, a bricks and clicks retailer and you have your POS data over here with your physical retail sales and you have your e-commerce system over there with your online sales, you often want to look at those together so you can understand completely what this customer is buying in in both channels uh, and and then tailor your offers appropriately. Uh, Another big use case in e-commerce is getting the CRM system that your customer service people are using to be able to see what's going on in the e-commerce system because those are not always connected to each other. But certainly you want to make sure that your customer service agents can see that data uh, and also can see not just the, econ- the history of the purchases, which usually will get uh, available, but also the browsing and you know the drop shopping carts and all the other stuff that doesn't necessarily get copied across and doesn't necessarily get copied across in, in real time. The CDP often acts as a translation layer or an integration layer to make sure that the CRM system has that complete view of the customer that otherwise would not be available. Um, Beyond that, the CDPs that have uh, predictive capabilities obviously can be used for uh, you know, recommendations and, and targeting and segmentation. Uh, again, bro- bringing in broader data than you would have available simply if you looked at what was captured in the e-commerce system alone. So it's it's that whole de- the core CDP use case is t- taking data from multiple systems and unifying it and making it available. And and you know, if you think about that, there's just a million very specific things that that, that you can do once you've uh, done that unification.
2: Yeah, I'll I'll bet the. Uh- The whole emergence of the streaming ecosystem, Uh, if you look at uh, AWS and GCP and Azure, they all have streaming data platforms, Mm -hmm. Uh, but that's been great for this whole industry. And I know in the commerce space that we're very aggressively using uh, event streaming uh, to provide more real-time personalization and things like that, so good to hear All right. With that, I wanted to thank you for speaking with us about CDPs. I thought it was a very interesting uh, discussion. Uh, Any final thoughts?
0: Uh, You know, only people really do need to think through where their gaps are when we talk about use cases for CDPs. And as I say, that's sort of the question that comes up now. It's like, well, you know, what can't you do? And what's stopping you from doing it? And if it's lack of unified data that's stopping you from doing it, that makes you a prime uh, prospect for a CDP.
2: Great. And where can people learn more about CDPs? Uh, Again,
0: uh, CDPinstitute.org is the best place to go. Uh, There's a huge library of papers and uh, directory of vendors and and newsletters and videos and just all kinds of good stuff on there that, uh, again, is all vendor neutral. Uh, It's just intended to help marketers do a better job. I've been doing that my whole life, and I intend to do it for the rest of my life.
2: (laughs) Very good. Um, Well, thanks again for joining us. Very much appreciate your time, and um, take care. Great. My pleasure.